Jaws for a minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic, Jaws, minute by minute, or thereabouts. As always, I'm MJ Smith. And I am Sarah Buttery, and Happy New Year! This is our first episode that we've recorded in 2021. You mm-hmm. would have heard um, an episode already, but we recorded that uh, just before Christmas and then took a little break. So yeah, this is the first episode of the new year, and we are kicking things off uh with a bang we've got two guests um and a first for this podcast um and another first for this podcast they are a mother and daughter um pair as well so i'm very excited about this um so without further ado i will introduce them they are uh, lucy and lindsay bugless hey guys how are you doing hello we're Hi. good we're happy yeah. to be here excited yeah. <laughs> 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 it's yeah. really great to have you um have you both on and lucy we we spoke about this um i think this sort of started as like half a joke where i was like it i did. want your mum to pump come on the podcast <laughs> like, she might actually do this i actually know. asked um, her and then so, she was like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i have no idea what i'm doing but there you go <laughs> hey us uh us uh yeah we we don't have much idea what we're doing either but yeah so <laughs> good company yeah. um um, so, of course, as we ask all of our guests um, what it is that uh, they love about Jaws um, or any kind of particular memories, maybe when you first saw it. Um, so, yeah, should we start with you, Lindsay, and then Lucy, you can go after. Yeah, um, it was on holiday um, way back when I was very young, probably shouldn't have actually seen the film, I'm guessing. And my dad t- <laughs> took me along to see it. It was actually the caravan park, would you believe? <laughs> and I, my mind was blown. And from, from seeing it then, I've watched it more and more and more. And I, I, I mean, I'm terrified of sharks, but it's kind of a morbid <laughs> fascination. And um, I just don't go in the sea, so I'm not going to get got. So that's all right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I, I just love the three main characters in the film. I just I just love it, and I could I could watch it every day. I really could. Yeah, it's my go to. It's my go to film. Mm. <laughs> and you, Lucy. For me, it was probably the first like really graphic film that I saw. You know, in terms of like the bloody content, and that got me interested in horror as an extension of that. Um, mm. The first time I saw it was actually at school, would you believe, in like, we had a smart board in the classroom and it was like a free period and the teacher had put it on and like loads of girls in the class were like proper going like, oh, it's horrible, gross, gross. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I like this. <laughs> you know, like the little, little oddball in the back of the class there. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was brilliantly acted. You know, the suspense is like Hitchcockian level suspense. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I've always loved it. Like my mom said, the dynamic between the three main characters is hilarious. We watched it again on New Year's Eve and we were just like howling with laughter at the the banter yeah, between the three yeah. of them. It's just so funny. 
yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it never really gets old, and I think you always find new things each time you watch it too. Yeah, we are certainly finding new things every time we watch it, and it's been obviously no gap between uh well a week gap as normal between the last episode released and this episode but for me and mj it's been a couple of weeks since we Mm -hmm. got into the film so it was i don't know it was i felt really happy to come back to it i hadn't Mm -hmm. watched it in that time at all or um you know i was on my holiday so i wasn't just randomly watching a minute of jaws each week um, <laughs> you weren't <laughs> no no it's not not what i get up to in my spare time but um... we're going to hit the end of this podcast and uh it's just going to be a compulsion we we get so used yeah. to it that we're like every saturday we should just watch a minute of jaws <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's we've described it before as like the slowest un- unwrapping of a gift ever and it's like musical uh musical chairs or um what's the other one the when you pass a present round you know the thing i mean pass the parcel that's the one thank you guys um <laughs> where like the music stops and each week you get to unwrap a layer of jaws that's kind of mm. what this this feels like and yeah, this uh, this moment that we're going to be talking about now is one that I was really looking forward to getting to because it introduces Quint. So we spoke about him briefly in last week's episode um, because we covered the, the nails on the chalkboard moment last week. Um, and this week, the scene starts off from pretty much from when he starts talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this scene five or six times and i i never managed to get it right so that i didn't get any of the chalkboard scraping in it so i heard that more times than i would have liked to have heard it it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) does chill you to the bone um but yeah so uh the timestamp of this scene for those who are hopefully watching along with us um is from 20 minutes and 46 seconds up to 22 minutes and 34 seconds and is basically Quint's opening monologue. That's the extent of this scene. We then uh, cut to the beach where the signs are being hammered in and then a sort of a um, a jump cut back to Brody in the house reading about shark books. And that's kind of where we, that's where we stop it. Um, so I will start uh, with our guests as, as always. Um, and anything that you sort of, that popped out in this scene, anything that you particularly noticed or that you like about this this scene or or quint this is our first chance to talk about quint so um yeah go for it do you want to go first you, you or should I? go on you okay i'll go yeah. i'll go <laughs> I'll i'm just being in. polite I'll um, jump in, yeah. yeah no i think um it's just one of the most iconic like entrances for a character i think in terms of like you know like you say from the chalkboard moment to his kind of really sort of blase monologue you know it's just it's wonderful to the point where it's been parodied in like the simpsons you know <laughs> like it's it's just mm-hmm. so memorable um and i just think he, i mean robert Shaw's fantastic you know um he's just mm-hmm. he's so chaotic yet it's the kind of person you would trust above like people like the mayor who's a complete idiot <laughs> so you know like despite like who's this lunatic was just drawing a picture of a shark on on a chalkboard and talking about things but he's but you trust him for some reason do you know what i mean like it's just it's wonderful he's like one of the the little guys and it kind of opens a wider conversation about the kind of the class divide in the town as well which i've always liked um yeah no i just think it's iconic you know i just think it's probably one of the most memorable moments in the whole film yeah, I like the fact he just tells it like it is. Yeah, <laughs> this is what you should do. This is what you need to do. And I'm, I'm, 
well, you, you know what I'm like. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. I've got to rein her in sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. Just, <laughs> why, why waste lots of words when you can just get to it and get done? That's, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And I like that about them. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the three, I mean, I've said before, the three main characters, I, I, the casting was mm-hmm, superb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that pretty much makes the film. Yeah, I agree, yeah. Um, I don't, I, I can't even think who else. No. When you, when you watch it, you mm-hmm. you couldn't remake that no. and put somebody else in those because nobody else could produce what they did. No, I agree. I'd, I don't <laughs> think. And I would love to know how many takes it was for those fingernails down that chalkboard. Mm-hmm. Whether that was done in a one, which I doubt. <laughs> but can you imagine? Oh, I would have to go and... I don't <laughs> I know. know. Hearing it again and again, edge, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's, he's he's quite a character. Mm-hmm. One of the that's, best. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, quite a character. Yeah, I think uh, this character, I mean, he's just so great. He's the mm-hmm. best. And I think he's in that pantheon. And I, I think this has something to do with, I feel like I tend to love supporting characters more than mm. main characters sometimes. And I think it's because of Robert Shaw. He shows what you can do. I know he becomes a main in the back half of the movie, but this is a guy who shows up and you immediately go, I want to know everything about that guy. Mm -hmm. He is so Mm -hmm. magnetic as not just a performer that Robert Shaw is, but as a fully realized character that we know nothing about. Like we see him and go, that guy has a story or a dozen. And I want to hear all of them. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, I think, I think he he joins kind of the the pantheon of incredible supporting characters like Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates of the Caribbean. He's mm-hmm. more of a supporting yeah. character. He's in it a mm. lot, but the he's not the main thrust of the story. Um, you know, Joker in Dark Knight, that Heath Ledger performance. Um, you know, the, just characters that show up and you're immediately drawn to because of both mm-hmm. the fact that the performers performing that part are clearly incredible at their craft but also you see that you see beyond that into the character and say i want to know more about everything every aspect of that person and what quint says here really d- gives no context for who he is what he does on the <laughs> island he just kind of seems yeah. he seems like this old sea captain that came straight off the set of the lighthouse and just wandered onto the, to the <laughs> island yeah. but yeah. he also he also tells them, like, you all know who I am. Like, I am very prominent in the town. If, if you're an islander, you know exactly who I am and what I'm about. You know, he says, you know, and, and I, he basically is, I mean, the, the, there's a, a tone to the speech where he's like, all right. And I said this last week, like, an adult's talking now and we need to listen, everyone. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he um, he takes command of this room really, really quickly. And there's a great... I did watch the uh, preceding town meeting bit um, just because if you start the scene or go to the, or skip the scenes on the Blu-ray, it takes you right to the start of the... where it shows the poster, mm-hmm. um, the bit that proves it's a time-travelling film. <laughs> um, but <laughs> we won't get into that again. Um but yeah, it's going from the sort of lots of noise and chatter and hustle and bustle and clamoring of the 
of the townspeople in the room and then that horrible you know noise of the nails on the chalkboard that really kind of stops everyone in their tracks and then there's just this great pause and this sort of moment of silence and it even comes up in the subtitles and says silence (laughs) (laughs) just just in case you didn't hear it um and quint sort of takes takes a a bite of like a, a cracker or something and it's just this it's this great moment of the the camera sort of like moving very very slowly around the crowd in the room as well and and sort of zooming in on quint um but he he already has the command of the room before he has even said anything and something that particularly struck me was as well as the i think we'll get into sort of the things that he says because there's so many great quotes in this in this (laughs) scene but something that really stuck out to me watching it this time is that how he has the entire room's attention and he doesn't stand up or in any way try to assert dominance he stays sat down so it's very assured assertiveness like this is a guy who knows what he is doing and as you said mj it doesn't matter what is coming out of this guy's mouth next you want to hear what he has to say and he has that instantly and i don't know many other film characters that are able to just instantly get you and they get the he gets the attention of everyone in the in the room in the film and the attention of the audience and us watching as well and you're just like i Mm -hmm. am hooked (laughs) yeah it's you know you're you're ready to listen to whatever this guy has to say next yeah, I think it was really interesting what MJ was saying as well about a supporting character because, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to drop my favourite film in here. I, I apologise. <laughs> um, but Hannibal Lecter in The Silence of the Lambs, he is technically yeah. a supporting character yeah. because it's about Clarice. It's not about him. So it's the kind of, it's the presence that these supporting characters have to the point where you're immediately drawn into them. It, it very much reminded me of him when MJ said that, actually. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's a great piece of writing, really is. Yeah, and after after he'd spoken and kind of waltzed mm-hmm. back out, you kind of yeah. <laughs> you just automatically knew he was coming back in at some point. Oh, you God, don't know yeah. when, mm-hmm. but mm. it was it was obvious he was going to play some sort of role. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't a character who just has this one moment and then disappears. He is he's definitely one that is going to have a big impact in the rest of the film, as as we yeah. know that he does. Yeah. And I um I really like his kind of uh parting words as well it always sort of makes me laugh where he sort of stands up and is it's like his curtain call almost yeah it feels very theatrical <laughs> he might as well take a bow in this place. yes yeah he <laughs> should he should have done yeah <laughs> yeah you know he's like miss mr mayor chief ladies and gentlemen and when he says ladies and gentlemen he gives this sort of like wry smile and it's like he knows what he's doing this is a guy who is a bit of a showman as well and having the audience in in the palm of his hand he's really milking it i think at this moment and just taking that moment to sort of maybe just smile at the ridiculousness of the situation or you know the fact that all of these people are now looking at him and maybe he isn't someone that they that they all kind of know or or certainly not much detail about i mean he starts off very confidently saying you know me you know how i earn a living so it's <laughs> yeah it's clear that he is a he's clear that he's an islander and this is something that we've spoken about previously as well in that the reason why Brody isn't really able to get his point across or even when his what he is saying is sensible about closing the beaches the reason why he's not able to get that point across clearly all the time is because 
he is an outsider. He's mm-hmm. only been on this island for, we sort of worked it out, about eight, nine months maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Quint, he gets the attention of the room with the first thing he says, which is, you know me. You know, you know me. I live on this island. I'm one of you. I'm not an outsider. I'm not a cop. I'm not the mayor. I'm not the newspaper guy. I'm not anyone. I'm just a fisherman. You know me and you're going to sit down, shut up and listen to what I have to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There's definitely an, an us versus them mentality on the island, absolutely. Um, and I think Quint is very, you know, distrustful of anybody who isn't him. You know, certainly, um, what's his name? Sorry, I've forgotten the, the science guy. Hooper. Cut, the, Hooper. cut that bit out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, so, sorry. So certainly um, Hooper, you know, obviously he um, has an instant dislike to him <laughs> based on that. Yeah, yeah. But it's because it's very just, you know, distrust and sort of, oh, I'm an islander, you're not. Get out of my face. I know what I'm doing. It's my yeah. way or the highway, basically. Yeah, and I love when he leaves this scene that it cuts to Brody because it's clear that Brody doesn't know who he is and how he earns yeah, it. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brody has I'll this clue. completely dumbfounded look on his face where he's just like, who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. Obviously nobody warned him about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you get this sense too, like when <clears throat> that he's sort of a native version of Brody, like, Everyone knows him. They know who he is. They know how he earns a living. He mentions that. But you kind of get the sense that he's a little bit of a pariah within the community, um, particularly when we get to see him later on. His his shop kind of doesn't seem like it's anywhere near any of the other places we've seen in Amity. Um, no. and people, he's sitting on the outside of the group the way Brody is kind of, you know, like I yeah. talked about a couple weeks ago, man without a home in the citizenry or in, t- in the, the town leadership. He's even further on the outside. He's at the very back of the room. Um, I love that he drew a visual aid, like he's some sort of prop comedian. <laughs> That's great, yeah. But you, we get a sense that people know who he is, and like they, they're they're kind of scared, but also kind of write him off all at the same time. And we kind of get a sense of that, not to get too much further into the movie when we see him in the back half, but like he's he's kind of like a he's kind of jokey in a way that he does not give off in this scene at all mm-hmm. he's you know he's always telling dirty limericks and singing singing <laughs> yeah. songs and yeah um things like that but you know here he's not in his element he's inside in those other senses in those other scenes we see him more in his element like out on the sea and mm. uh you know even when he's laughing at the people in the next scene which is great <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, you know, there's there's the sense that he's way more comfortable out at sea, much like the yeah, shark. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't think he's a people you know, person. <laughs> no. no, not at all. Yeah, I, I, there's so many great things in in what he says in in this um, monologue and how effective it is as well at just getting all the bases covered and this was something you said Lindsay why you like him as a character as he just completely gets to the point there's no yeah. there's no waffling around there's no prettying things up he says it exactly how it is so you know he starts off with the introduction of himself and then you know lays out the plan basically what he's what he's going to do and he also perhaps most crucially he appeals to what he knows is going to get the the crowd on his side um and he mentions it in two separate occasions so he says 
uh, emphasizes the urgency of it. So he says, we've got to do it quick. That'll bring back the tourists. That'll put all your businesses on a paying basis. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later he says um, about obviously uh, increasing the, the price that he wants for this. Um, says you're going to stay alive and ante up or do you want to play cheap and be on welfare the whole winter so he knows that this town's concern is money and this is something that we have spoken about a lot as well in that you can sort of understand the the townspeople's concerns at this point particularly as some of them may not have even seen the shark or know anything about this all they're hearing is this guy, this non-islander wants to come along here and close our beaches. That's going to destroy our businesses. Yeah. So Quint has been, we assume, been in the room for the majority of the time he's heard, you know, even if he was sort of lurking in the doorway, he's perhaps heard the townspeople saying, are you going to close the beaches? Or perhaps overheard them talking about their businesses and, and everything like that. So him appealing to that and saying, you know, this is... I, we have to do this and we have to do it now otherwise your businesses are going to be destroyed that kind of ensures that he he not only has their attention but he has their support as well so we then you know it's a very brief moment but the sort of bit that follows the town's meeting scene is them hammering the signs into the beaches so it clearly worked and yeah this is i think the most serious we see quint in the in the film Mm -hmm. and his character does sort of like change and he becomes a lot more cocky and Mm -hmm. (laughs) sure of himself when he's out at sea but at this point he's kind of like business quint he's got his Mm -hmm. his business hat on and he's telling them exactly how it is what they need to do and why they need to do it and then he has said everything he needs to say he doesn't wait around for questions um or any kind of feedback just the mayor saying yep we'll take this under advisement and then the next thing we see is you know success they've closed the beaches and clearly they are potentially going to go down the route of of doing what quint says we know it's a little while until they actually do it but yeah (laughs) yeah 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 i've never actually like considered it from the townspeople's point of view now that you've mentioned that i think you know the I was I was always kind of just like vilifying the mayor, like oh, all he cares about is money, but it it is a big source of income, you know, the beach and every business around it, and you could understand to a, an extent why this random cop telling you to do things, you'd be like, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that, you know. So yeah, it's it's the townspeople. I feel sorry for the mayor can can go to hell. I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, hang, hang He's a real so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we it also is... see. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say it's it's the old adage, isn't it? You can't please all the people all the time. No, and, absolutely know, not. So, you know, it it, it 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 it. I would hate to be in that position. Oh God, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and he says he does say things that in any other context would be kind of jokey. But he's delivering them with the seriousness of telling a family that one one of their loved ones has passed away. So, like when, when he just calls it a bad fish, is yeah. <laughs> on paper is just funny. But <clears throat> hearing him say it, you're like, that is a bad fish. And mm-hmm. then when he says, you know, the shark will swallow you whole, little shaken, little tenderizing, down you go. That sounds kind of funny too. Like he's pre- like the shark's preparing a meal. Like you know we. To, <laughs> It, the meme of this this 
show has been putting the shark in human situations. Like, it sounds like he's got a small chef's hat on. He's got, you know, <laughs> his saute yeah. pan next to him. But the way Quint delivered, the way Robert Shaw delivers it as Quint is, it's just like, this is what sharks do. And yeah, it's going to continue to do this. And that's all it's going to continue to do. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> And it's such a it's such a testament to that performance because it lives in this really interesting spot where it is kind of a broad performance, especially later in the movie. But it's also very nuanced. There is a lot going on with the way Quint is talking and the way he's written in particular. Like, he's an islander, right? But why does he have this accent that is clearly not from the islands? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know what it's like to have an accent that people kind of, you know, don't understand. <laughs> That's basically my that, that's basically my brand when I moved down south. Everyone was just like, "What? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so no, what is happening?" So I can relate to Quint on that front. <laughs> yeah, but in earlier in the film, we see you know Brody and, and Ellen talking about the accent of the you know the Pakika and the Ya mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, thing, and how he you know what is how does mine sound? Oh, it sounds like you're from New York. Like they clearly have a disdain for people who don't have island accents but then yep. quint is here sounding like he's not even from this country because i don't <laughs> think he is and everyone's like oh hey quint you know like that's that's quint over there he's ma- he's a little kooky but he's one of us and it's like mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. how is he one of us yeah he's like yeah. the the, the re- resident quirkster yeah 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 definitely <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely yeah he's like Unique. the Mm-hmm. The outsider on the inside, isn't he, as well? Yeah, like he, yeah, yeah. Like you were saying earlier, MJ, he's out on the edge of town in his little shack. It's, <laughs> it's clear that he is prefers working alone, shall we say, as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he actually spells that out as well. And yet is because of the fact that he is from there and clearly a successful and established fisherman in the in the town as well that they sort of listen to him and i think as well that he doesn't really give them much choice but to listen to him with kind of how he makes his entrance and how he commands the room as well but um go just picking up on the the what he says about the that he wants to work alone and that there's too many captains on this island i just wanted to bring that in quickly because something that i noted is that there are more similarities than you would think between quint and the shark um so bear with me on this one (laughs) case it's case it sounds too wild but um (laughs) the fact that they they both like to hunt alone and that is certainly mentioned about Mm. the shark later on um because i think they refer to him as a rogue and that he has kind of like separated himself out from the pack and that he uh the shark you know hunts hunts on his own and we only see the one shark as well and that is something that that quint makes very clear about himself as well in that he likes to he prefers to work alone and he sort of says you know there's too many captains on this island so he's clearly happy and comfortable in his own company and that's the way that he prefers to work as well and uh, a slight parallel as well in the 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 camera movement towards quint um when we first see him is not too dissimilar from the movement in the very very opening shot um when we are kind of like in the shark perspective it's that sort of like Mm -hmm. weaving around the corner um sort of quite slow movement um towards quint that that emphasizes that as well yeah um but also they're they're get this is getting into the end of the film but their fates are 
fairly closely linked as well they are apart from the the deaths we see prior to the sort of like the halfway point in the film they are the only two that that die after that and um quint is devoured by by the shark and then the shark is blown up so they they both don't make it through the film and there's incredible amounts of foreshadowing in this speech as well yeah the picture the visual aid is in itself foreshadowing because there's a guy in the mouth of the shark um and quint says as well this shark will swallow you whole and that's exactly what happens to him so yeah yeah, the the idea of them being sort of fairly closely linked was something that seems super obvious now i speak it out into existence but was not something i'd thought about before (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. There's an awful lot of foreshadowing in Jaws, actually, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and I kept pointing that out, like, oh, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there was, yeah. There, was, there was a number of I things. kept doing that. Yeah, there's one shot, and I might get this wrong, so forgive me, um, where it's basically like a sort of um, mould of like a shark's mouth and the sort of like film the island through the mouth. And it's I was like, foreshadowing, foreshadowing, yeah. That's it, that's yeah, it, yes. Yeah, when the boat's leaving. I the literally harbor. turned at yeah, you and yeah. I was like, ooh, foreshadowing. And it's, yeah, like, yeah. it's just, it's brilliant yeah. how they do it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. know, I mean, not that the scene that we've been watching, but the, the, the scene where they're on the boat and they're all having a chat and, you know, sort of one scar against another mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. And it's his story mm-hmm. about the Indianapolis and, and, and that and that description where mm-hmm. everything just stops. And again, he commands yep. everybody to listen to what he has to say. And yeah, I mean, and, and then, you, then, then you learn a bit more mm-hmm. about why mm-hmm. he is who he is, you know, and that, that's really powerful, that, that, that yeah. wee bit of dialogue in the middle there. Isn't it? I yeah. think everything he says is very powerful, actually, even when he's just being silly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's very, everything he says has a point. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. I say, it's very to the point. He doesn't mess about. <laughs> yeah. So even if he's just singing or coming up with a limerick, it's always got something to do yeah. with, like, you know, mocking someone or a certain yeah. dominance or something like that. Yeah. It's always very, very pointed and very obvious. He delivers it really well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got this <clears throat> weird and you know, we'll definitely talk about this. He's, he's sort of walking toxic masculinity, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, he clearly delivers such good work that it speaks for itself at the, like, he's this weird dichotomy of definitely (laughs) not someone you aspire to be, but also you want to be him. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. You want to be his friend. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, like, I feel like we all kind of want the, the swagger and confidence of, of Quint, but maybe without Mm -hmm. some of the blatant misogyny. (laughs) Um, That would be good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but so to take this, this shark thing, uh, even further, because that's what we do here. (laughs) if, If you look at, you know, Robert Shaw, just kind of in, in general, um, he's got these really piercing blue eyes, which we talk about the shark's eyes in the Indianapolis monologue of the, the black eyes. Yeah. And I feel like when you want someone who kind of has a steely look in a person, there aren't people with black eyes the way sharks have black eyes. Uh, that's often used to describe possessed people in horror films. But mm-hmm. if you look, you know, if you, if you want that same kind of a vibe from a person, you get someone with really, really um, crystal clear blue eyes. And if you look at Quint's eyeline in this, he is 
staring down Brody. And mm-hmm. there's a there's a cut that shows you Quint's POV while he's talking. And it, once again, like you were talking about, Sarah, pushes through the crowd and singles out Brody. He is, in a sense, making Brody his prey, like his target for this mm-hmm. speech, the way so many people have uh, done to Brody over the course of the film. But he's the first person actively trying to help him. So, mm-hmm. um you know, we and you see Brody looking at him like, I, I'm wary about this guy. He seems like an Islander that I have not seen, come into contact with, anything like that. But at the same time, he's very carefully measuring every word that Quint is saying to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we don't actually get a single line of dialogue from Brody in this scene do we yep. i think nope. it's only it's only larry who <clears throat> says something that a person who isn't quint um speaks and he is very um <laughs> i always like the way he delivers that line where he's just kind of he looks pretty shell shocked <laughs> he's just kind of like this guy has just <laughs> oh, yeah. come in here take taken over my meeting and asserted more dominance than i am ever able to do and he doesn't even have a fancy jacket on so what am i gonna do now um Mm -hmm. but yeah he he stands up as well i notice like when he sort of um when it cuts to the quint pov shot and it's then sort of like going back through the crowd i think that's the point that he stands up so he is quite clearly trying to sort of like um puff himself up a bit and obviously getting prepared to to say something because the people i think will be looking to him next um to say something so yeah it's it's interesting obviously that that parallel as well in in how quint delivers what he has to say very kind of like casually but very strong in what he's saying very sure of what he's saying Mm um and larry who actually is the 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 person with authority or one of the people with authority in this room is like a scared child. Almost. <laughs> He's just kind of like, yep, yep, yep. okay, we'll, we'll take it under advisement. Uh- <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, that, that kind of alpha male complex there is very interesting. And I think the interesting thing about Quint, again, not to focus too much on other scenes, but it's like the, the comparison of their scars when they're like sat together and they're jogging around that's when he finally goes, do you know what? Maybe these guys might be on my level, you know? And it's kind of once you drop down to his level, Quint's like, yeah, okay, I'll bite. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll give you a chance. We can compare scores and have a laugh. Um, and I think it's just interesting how it kind of very quickly switches from, oh, you're, you're a city guy with city hands and oh, I don't want to listen to you to, ha, look at my score. You know, it's, just, it's a very interesting dynamic shift there. Um, and that's one of my favourite scenes as well, that one where they're just sat there having banter before everything, well, shit hits the fan, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Big style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I guess, the first real example we see of them bonding and the yep. the walls of Quint coming down a little bit where he sort of opens himself up to the other two and they're having, obviously, a laugh and a joke around, but then he kind of delivers the the really the what is the really crucial information about quint as a character the most we learn about him is in that indianapolis speech and it happens so close to the end so this is clearly a character who has has their guard up and sort of appears to be this very straight talking and says it how it is kind of guy and he definitely is that but there's 
that vulnerability, I think, that we don't see in him at all until that point when he sort of realises that, you know, well, they're, they're, they're in pretty deep at that point and there's sort of no turning back. It feels very kind of like, we're going to get this shark or we're going to die at this point. So mm-hmm. that's when that guard sort of starts slipping a bit and he lets the others in and obviously then then gives that, that speech. Um, but yeah, it's it just... This as an introduction is so perfect, I think, for for Quint as a character to have two incredibly iconic, quotable monologues and for them to be delivered by, you know, the same the same character, the same actor is just great. And I just Robert Shaw is just so incredible in this film. I I flip between who is my favourite character in this film on like an almost daily basis. But right now, <laughs> if you were to ask me, it would be Quint. <laughs> yeah, it, it's always been Quint for you, hasn't it? Yeah, I love Quint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's, he's great. <laughs> however, however, I do love Brody's um, lines that he has. Yes. He, he's got some fab lines, yeah. Oh, he does. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Something interesting happens at the end of the scene that I don't know if anyone else picked up on. He is, uh, uh, he exits pursued by a man in a yellow hat. (laughs) Yeah, who's he? (laughs) And I want to know that guy's story too, because he says he works alone, but this guy just follows him. And I think it's interesting because Quint is never actually in yellow in the movie. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. although he is constantly pursued by the color, like he is, he is basically, it's, it's almost like final destination. Um, mm-hmm. I know that seems like a weird comparison, but <laughs> he's escaped death at the hands of these sharks before. And now he's just spent the rest of his time outrunning that. And mm-hmm. it never touches him directly until it does. And, but it's constantly in pursuit of him. We see that with this guy following him way too close, even <laughs> even for 2020, 2021 social distancing rules. He is mm-hmm. right behind Quint. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see, you know, the barrels chasing after the, the orca, which is Quint's ship. Um, and... Yeah, he's never he's never quite directly in contact with it. He kind of manages to dodge it until it's too late. Yeah, that's a yeah, really I, good choice. Yeah, I picked up mm-hmm. on, I picked up on that that guy just because I just find him quite funny. Like I do, I do kind of want to know, <laughs> want to know his story a little bit as well. <laughs> but yeah, I, I pick I picked up on the use of use of yellow. I hadn't really sort of made that connection between what we see later and obviously the idea that we're sort of bringing up a lot on this is the yellow sort of being one of the um signifiers of of the shark and we see that color appear so often um we've seen it uh very recently and and the color of the the raft that alex was on when he got killed and the barrels are kind of the most significant uses of that color i think but we're sort of seeing it used in so many different places now and yeah i I, maybe obviously they don't i don't know if we even know if we see that guy again maybe we'll have to we'll have to keep a, a lookout for if he's just sort of like the quiet guy who shuffles around in in quint's shack and and clears up after him or pours in brandy or something yeah. <laughs> that's his uh, that's, that's his, that's whole his thing. job yeah but he, yeah but he has a, a 
there's a dog as well and i love a surprise dog in a film um and because i could hear it i was like why can i hear a dog and then i paused it and there's this like the the guy who follows quint out has got this little doggo on a on a lead and he's he's uh trotting along behind <laughs> him so uh felt the need to point that out as well <laughs> yes, but, you, this conversation. You know it's funny you mentioned that actually because when me and mom were watching it you were like why are they bringing dogs to go and find the shark because there was one on board the boat and you were like why is that dog why, there why would you like, dog? <laughs> and it was just such a funny observation like you know what you don't want no. leave the dog at home <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah. just you, you saying that just reminded me yeah we saw what happened to pippet oh <laughs> exactly yeah. i know R.I.P. Pippa. R.I.P. and PCS. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys have anything else or any other observations that you wanted to to throw out or just any any dual stuff that you wanted to... I mean, obviously, like we're not going to get into the whole film because we will be no, here. No, of course. We'll be, yeah, we'll be yeah, here yeah, yeah. till the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anything about anything about this um, this particular scene that sort of um, stuck out for you or anything else that you wanted to... I think we've covered the majority of it, to be honest. Um, I'm just going through my notes, but we've kind of really deep dived into it. Um, what was I going to say? Uh... Yeah, there was actually a funny thing that we, um, just as a kind of quick aside, that we noticed. You know, obviously when they catch, like, the fake shark, like, the shark that's not the real shark, <laughs> and, they string, mm-hmm. and they string it up, like, we were kind of convinced that, like, Quint would absolutely 100% know, like, that it's not that shark, and it's kind of his cockiness that is, is so cool about his character like he knows fine well that's not the right one right <laughs> i don't think he explicitly says that you know obviously hooper's the one who's like nah mate that's not the right one um but i think even without his like fancy degree and all that stuff like quint would just know instinctively and that's what separates him from hooper i think and that's probably why they clash so badly um and it was just a funny thing i was sat there thinking he he knows that that's not the right one you know you just you just know and yeah just i think cocky. it's in <laughs> I think it's in that bit actually where we sort of like see him in the background laughing. I think that's the moment like when right, his yeah. boat mm-hmm. just goes past and he is just absolutely cackling. So yeah. I think that kind of that says it without saying it. Exactly. Like, he, he knows. He's like these these dumb people. Like that is not the shark. <laughs> yeah. <And> no. <laughs> yeah, he's just living his life on his boat and just, you know, cruising past and and having a good old laugh at everyone because it, you know he he knows that his his offer is still out there and should he be successful that he'll you know he'll be the one to to have to go out and get it and uh, uh has now sort of on his own terms increased the the price on the on the shark as well and mm-hmm. and said in no uncertain terms that he would catch it for 3 but he'll you know he'll he'll kill it for 10 um so yeah i think that that moment is really is really telling of those two characters. Obviously, Hooper is straight in there with the tape measure and is looking at the, the size of the shark's mouth, and Quint is just cackling in the background. Like, yeah. this is not the shark. <laughs> yeah, very absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why they clash. Absolutely. Um, but that's kind mm-hmm. of part of why the film has its kind of comic relief, almost. You know, because it's not a funny film when you think about it. Like, you know, people being killed by a shark. It's not funny. But, th- but they definitely bring their own kind of unique humour in the sense they're being such babies about it. You know, like, that's just... Mm. It's basically just, like, 
alpha male nonsense just guys come on man like let's just focus on the task at hand yeah. stop stop arguing with each other <laughs> stop saying can you just do this rope for me like no just get to the point you know and it's just crazy yes, it's, yeah like this is why if it had been women we'd get it sorted i'm just saying <laughs> we haven't got we haven't got time for this nonsense do we <laughs> sorry mj <laughs> but it's okay, true well, but, uh, 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 you were talking about um Lindsay, you were talking about not being able to recast it how about you three play the three names in oh, jaws the musical my, oh my goodness. Goodness. Oh my god, who are we gonna be though? Who are we gonna be? Well my mom's gonna be Quint, I know that. Hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I suppose... would like to be Hooper, I think. Okay, cool. I'll just be I'll be <laughs> the outsider. So that works. You could do Brody. Yeah. I could do Brody, yeah. Some I mean, bad hat, Harry. Somebody order Absolutely. the fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think you two playing uh, Hooper and Quint would be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. By default, does this make you the shark, MJ? I think so. Oh no. I'll, I'll pop into the, the Katy Perry left shark. Uh, <laughs> oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Oh. Well. Yeah, <laughs> would would pay good money to see <laughs> I know, so, right? <clears throat> um, I don't have much to add except that I was very distracted until the 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 U three being cast popped up because I was trying to find more info on that guy, the guy that follows Quint, and I stumbled across a blog called All That Jaws, which is an Ace's name mm-hmm. for a Jaws themed blog. Um, Mm -hmm. and all I could find is that this person has this theory that Ben Gardner's first mate and Quinn's first mate eloped after the events of Jaws and then just a little fan fiction about them and their life after the events of the film. What the hell? That they... (laughs) They eloped to uh, <laughs> Provincetown and opened up a sculpture studio together. Cute. And that uh, he also gives Quint's first mate a name, which is Carl. And uh, <laughs> apparently Ben's first mate is named Danny in the book. So it's Carl and Danny. And they open up the sculpture studio. And then Carl died uh, at the age of 80. In, in 1994, I don't know where he got this math from, and because he fell into a kiln. Right. Oh dear. Wow. Is, is this person okay? Like what? I don't know. Like it was. It said like it because it, it had it had the 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 image that drew me to it was it had Quint and Bryn Gardner out of focus and then the two first mates in focus and said just the theory I happen to agree with and we all know that I love an insane Jaws theory because mm-hmm. of the time travel thing um, <laughs> but here I dropped it in the text chat uh, it, oh my god yeah I just was not expecting this post to go <laughs> the way I thought it would I thought it was going to be something about how this guy was in yellow, but then Ben Gardner's in yellow. Nope. It was went off the rails <gasps> almost immediately. Well, that is wild. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Just, no. no. Think, yeah. 
I think we uh, can we find out who wrote this and can we uh, just send someone to check on them and make sure that, that everything is <laughs> yeah, it's like everything's if, okay. <laughs> my, it's like my DMs are open, hun. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Come come on come on the podcast if you are that person who wrote this. Um, if you're listening, just on the off chance, uh, we want to we want to talk. We want to talk about this theory. Mm-hmm. Um, we have questions, certainly, but um, I'm not... <laughs> mostly we want to talk. <laughs> yeah, I'm not unopened to the idea. I mean, good for them, I suppose. But also, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is crazy, guys. Well, okay. Um... I don't think there is any uh, coming back from from this. No, nope. so that is where we're gonna, we're gonna leave the chat about this scene. Um, boy, I mean, the we've had some we've had some insane theories on this podcast, um, and that I think is maybe the most insane. But I mm-hmm. also kind of love it, um, and I can't wait to read about it as well. <laughs> so, oh, same. You, what i do uh when i log off but um yeah i think that'll um that'll do us for um this episode so i want to say a huge thank you to lucy and Lindsay. you guys have been so much fun and have really loved having you both on here so um thank you thank you for uh all the effort you put in i know you were making your notes and you (laughs) watched the whole film we did um and yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey it's it's never i put it in the the guest notes where i'm like hey watch jaws it's great um <laughs> it's the best homework you could be set um but yeah um lucy uh, i know you're very active in in writing and and blogging and whatnot so um i will give you a chance to um plug your socials and anything else um Lindsay, uh, maybe this will be the thing that starts off your podcasting career so <laughs> <laughs> we can have you back oh, on again can you imagine <laughs> oh dear no i don't think that's oh, gonna happen you've been great, you've been great. <laughs> all right okay um so plug in time uh yes. if people don't know me i mean I, I don't know why you wouldn't know me i'm amazing <laughs> but uh <laughs> but my blog is um lucy goes to hollywood i am also a very proud contributor to jump cut online love horror and the horror assist you can find me on Twitter at lgthblog and on Instagram with the same handle too. Yes, and definitely go and check out um, all of Lucy's stuff. Um, she put some really great stuff out there. And this is uh, the first podcast you're appearing on on this year. And I'm sure there will be many others. So um, yeah, be sure to go and give Lucy a follow so you can see all of those and keep up with all, all of her writing. Um, so if you want to follow us on Twitter, um, the show handle is at Jaws for a minute and I am at Sarah Buttery and MJ is at MJ Smith 891. Um, we had a competition that we were running. Um, we've been really bad people and have not chosen a winner yet, but we are going to do that very, very soon and we will announce it probably on next week's episode. So if you're waiting to hear, apologies for the delay. Um, we just... Uh, it kind of lost track a bit over the Christmas break, but we will we will definitely pick that soon and announce it next week. Um, and yeah, if you have any questions for us or feedback or anything else, um, then our email is jawsforaminute at gmail.com. If you want to buy any merch, you can do that on Redbubble and TeePublic. Um, the link for those is in our Twitter bio, so you can get some very cool merchandise with our logo on it. 
Um, and yeah, I think that's us for this week. So we'll see you again next week. And remember, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere.